0: Alright, well, welcome back to Forgotten Lakers. We're here today with uh, Andy Bernstein. Andy's been associated with the Lakers as their official photographer for I think over 30 years now. Is that correct?
1: Well, 36 to be specific. 36. <laughs> so you've yep.
0: gotten to, very yep. cool. You've gotten to go through a lot of different um eras from Showtime to mm-hmm. you know the Lake Show of Nick Van Exel and Eddie Jones, obviously Kobe and Shaq's heyday. Right. Kobe and Pau, and now in a little bit of a rough stretch, but we're, we're on the upswing. So.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Very cyclical, but I've been very fortunate. I came in, like you said, uh, Magic and I basically were rookies together,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so I was there for the whole Showtime era, and, uh, you know, the Shaq and Kobe era was unbelievable, and now we're in, um, I don't even know what you want to call it now, but the New Lakers era with, uh, you know, Kuzma and, and uh yeah and all those
0: guys, um, maybe you want to call it the Luke Walton era, I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, very cool, well, to uh, get started, um, would you? I know you just mentioned coming in with Magic around the same time, could you, mm-hmm. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but briefly yeah. recap of how you got started and associated with the Lakers?
1: Sure, yeah, I'd be happy to talk about that, Jeff. I, um, I, I went to a college in Massachusetts, University of Massachusetts, where I was, um I took my fledgling uh, sports photography uh, love to the daily newspaper that we had there, and it was wonderful, and I got to shoot a lot of different sports. I really enjoyed shooting basketball, but all the other sports, but I, I found that I needed to get a better education in, in the actual um, science and craft and uh, also the creative aspect of photography. So I transferred out to a place called Art Center College of Design in Pasadena,
0: mm-hmm
1: and uh, this is in the middle of my junior year, 1978, and uh, went there for um, another oh man, about three and a half years. Graduated from there in '81. But while I was at Art Center, I was able to to assist for Sports Illustrated, and uh, I learned a very specialized technique of putting giant strobe uh, lighting, big flashes into the um, the catwalks of arenas, and really uh, learned that from the ground up there was sports illustrated was really the only entity that was doing that in those days and um very specialized technique and i was able to you know being a brooklyn guy and uh <laughs> i was able to uh get my foot in the door there with the with the forum and the forum of course um dr bus owned the forum the kings and the lakers mm-hmm. so they start shooting games and uh the Laker PR guy at the time, uh, back in 1982, the beginning of the 82-83 season, Bruce Jolish, recommended I go to New York and meet a gentleman at the NBA about possibly shooting the All-Star game for the NBA in uh, February of 83. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: took my little meager portfolio back to New York and met with uh, this gentleman named Porter McKinnon. And at the time, the NBA only did two publications. They did a magazine called Hoop Magazine, which was the program you'd get when you went to the arena. Yeah. And they did, uh, another publication called NBA Today, which was kind of a tabloid uh, kind of newspaper format. And he he looked at me and he said, well, you know, we didn't think about having a photographer for for the All-Star game. We've never had an official photographer, but you're local. He won't cost us anything. Uh, okay. <laughs> we got to feed you and buy you a play ticket so sure why not so that was my first gig and uh, do you know what the 83 all-star game was
0: famous for jeff 83 all-star game yeah. uh, really testing your basketball iq uh, here, feel free to test at any time i'm a laker right. trivia buff for the most part but that you might have just stumped me
1: yeah um, well it was uh, it was known for the most iconic rendition of the star spangled banner in history which was marvin gaye's rendition
0: Oh, okay I've, i think i've actually seen that on youtube now that you mentioned it
1: yeah yeah five yeah. and a half minutes long it was uh-huh. uh, <laughs> if anyone listening has not seen it on youtube you really need to youtube it because it literally was voted the most iconic rendition ever of the national anthem wow. and uh, that was you know an auspicious start for me in my, my be career and you know, things just really took off from there. I was very fortunate to be in L.A. Um, during the Showtime era. Pat Riley kind of took me into the fold, and Magic and I had a great relationship, and mm-hmm. was able to build my business, my career, um, and things just took off. I actually, at the same time, my MBA career kind of launched. I was, I got uh, the job as the Dodgers team photographer in 84, and that lasted for 11 years. Wow. Uh, through the eighty-eight World Series, which we just celebrated the 30th anniversary of. Mm -hmm. And I was working for the LA Kings. So, you know, 36 years in, um, the career is still going strong and still working for the same people and enjoying it and loving it. Back on the road for playoffs right now, as I am this time of year and every year.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, happy to be talking to you. Cool. Thanks for that. It's funny that you mentioned uh, Bruce Jolish. I've met him Mm -hmm. Um, he was in Dallas. I don't know if he's still in the Dallas area. That's where I live. And uh, Mm -hmm. he was working Mm -hmm. at an ad agency that my older brother worked at.
1: Oh, that's so great.
0: Yeah. And uh, we talked about, I remember he was either wearing the 80 or the 82 championship ring when (laughs) I met him. (laughs) And he started going on all the backstory about all the rings. And uh, it was really cool. I I remember that, but I haven't heard that name in a long time. So it's funny that you brought him up.
1: Yeah, I would love it offline later on if you could connect me with Bruce because uh, I'm i writing my Hall of Fame speech. So I'm getting inducted into – well, I'm not getting inducted per se. I'm getting the uh, very prestigious Kurt Gowdy Media Award this year. Yeah, the-
0: I read that. Congratulations. Thank you,
1: which is really as close to induction or enshrinement as you can get and not be a player or a coach. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I really wanted to thank Bruce. I will in my speech, but I would love to reach out to
0: him. So uh, Sure, yeah. Um, I'll have to go through my brother, but I'd be happy to. Yeah, awesome, uh, great. I was going to ask. So, what's that like? You're just sitting around and you get a call that you're now a Hall of Famer, or how did that <laughs> work out?
1: Yeah, it kind of didn't happen that way. There, there's a um, a nominating committee for the, the this media award. It, it's given each year to two people. One person in the electronic media, which would be historically be uh, radio or TV. Um, personality and somebody in the print media, which has always gone to a writer of some kind. And there's only been one other photographer who's received the the media award for print. And that was uh, the great Rich Clarkson, who is is really the godfather of NCAA uh, basketball photography. He shot over 50 NCAA Final Fours, you know, but never anyone on the NBA side. And Mm -hmm. I'm really thrilled. I mean, I, I, I really... I'm very humbled by it, but I'm very excited that by acknowledging me, they're going to be able to open up the category to other really, really deserving um, friends of mine, you know, fantastic photographers who've given their lives and their careers to to photographing the NBA and documenting it. So, um, you know, if I'm paving the way, that's wonderful. But, uh, you know, it's, it, it really opens it up for all
0: of us. Sure. Yeah. Well, us again, congratulations. That's a really incredible accomplishment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting, Jeff, because it's really full circle, you know, Phil Jackson talks about full circle life events, you know, that things happen and somehow the universe brings you back to the beginning. And I, um, you know, I'm going back to where I started. Uh, Springfield is just down the street, basically from Amherst, where I went wow. to college and started my career. So, <laughs> you know, it's a very, uh, it's a very life, um, affirming, full circle event for me, which, um, you know, I don't take lightly. I, I see all that stuff as not not as coincidence, but it all happens for a reason. And am going to be thrilled to be back in that part of the world, that part of the country to kind of take it all in.
0: So is it similar to a player's introduction where they have somebody make a speech for them to present them? Are you just giving one on your own or how's that work? Well, the
1: actual enshrinement for the players and coaches and iconic teams um, Mm -hmm. that is on, on Friday night and Mm -hmm. that's, Big uh, televised, live televised event. The event for myself and Doris Burke, who's getting the, um, the Electronic Media Award, and very well deserving, of course, mm-hmm. um, as well as um, another award, which is called the Bun uh, Lifetime Achievement Award. Those three awards are given at a dinner on Thursday night, um, prior to the Friday night enshrinement, so that's a really special dinner. Um, I think somebody will introduce me, probably John John DeLeva, who's the uh, the head of the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. They'll show a video or something. I don't know what they're doing, but <laughs> but then I, uh, I get to make a speech. I'm actually very excited about making the speech because um, it'll really give me an opportunity to thank a lot of people that have helped me along the way. And nobody gets to anywhere in their career without help. And, for sure uh, uh, it, it, you know it'll give me a, a forum and a, a platform to really thank those people
0: mhm well uh, getting back to your you know duties with the lakers um wondering like what's a typical game day experience like for you like what i mean how long does it take you to set up what time do you get to the arena and uh, sure. i'll have some other questions to follow up with that but uh, if you could go into that i think the listeners might enjoy it yeah for sure well um
1: for a typical 7:30 game um I have an assistant and sometimes two assistants who get to the arena about 1.30 or 2 o'clock at the latest. Oh, wow. Staple Center. We do a very extensive setup of um, 11 cameras, 11 or 12 cameras every single game, um, seven of which are uh, have to be clamped and put into strategic spots um, in the arena, in the catwalk, uh, on railings throughout the arena. If anyone's familiar with my work, you see photos shot from really bizarre <laughs> angles uh, yeah. and those are all cameras that have to be set uh, with um, devices that make them all go off at the same time. It's a very intricate system that mm-hmm. we really refined over the years. So it takes my assistant, um, you know, about three and a half, four hours to get that set up. I usually roll in around four thirty, five o'clock. Um and kind of fine-tune things, and then I'm ready for the players to start showing up. I usually shoot them arriving
0: mm-hmm. and some
1: locker room stuff. I'm always in the back, uh, in the training room or the locker room, press conference, uh, whatever's going on, pregame, pregame warm-ups. Um, then we shoot the game. Um, most of my cameras are tethered back to a an editor in New Jersey at NBA Photos. Oh, wow. I mean, meaning that there's an Ethernet line into each camera and it's going through a super high-speed line back to this editor in New Jersey who's receiving my photos in real time. Mm-hmm. And, and as he receives them or he or she receives them, they're, they're editing and then they're picking the selects, uh, captioning them quickly, and then those are sent to Getty Images. So our photos, my photos from a given game um, are up within minutes of the game starting, Um, you know, the arrival, all that stuff, all that stuff is, is up on Getty, you know, way before tip off.
0: Mm -hmm. So
1: um, that's, you know, the new way of doing business, you know, back in the old days we'd shoot film and package (laughs) film, you'd put it in a FedEx box and send it back to New Jersey or back, you know, I drop it off at a lab locally in LA and then go the next day and edit it and then, then FedEx it. But now it's all, Honestly, it's very, it's like immediate. It's um, it's happening in real time. So it's as close to live coverage as we could do on the still photo side, you know, TV, uh-huh. live, but we're as close to live as you can get.
0: Yeah. And, um, for those who don't know, Andy and I'm assuming other photographers sit, you know, basically right underneath the basket each and every game.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I know there's been talk in the last couple of years about you know, potentially moving you guys back uh, mm-hmm. just uh, for your safety as well as the player's safety. Yeah. Uh, what is your opinion on that? Well, there's not really
1: any place they can move us except completely out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, unfortunately, um, my, uh, you know, my spot is definitely in a vulnerable area uh, under the basket, but it's been like that since the beginning of time. Sure. Uh, they have uh, they have taken photographers off the baseline. So, where in each quadrant we used to have ten or twelve photographers, now there's three or four at the most, mm-hmm. and, and that includes the the TV as well, the live TV, mm. as well as the um, uh, scoreboard. You know, the guy who's shooting for the video board. Sure. Um, so, you know, the courts are are really kind of set. I mean, you can't be moving. Season ticket holders who sit courtside any further back because the way the arenas are configured. So I don't know what the future is going to hold. Honestly, I'm happy to be one of the guys who's still left on the court. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, it is definitely a tough, a tough um subject to deal with. I, I I know a lot of friends who miss being on the court and. They, they're relegated now to going to an, an elevated or a side position up in the, in the stands or the press area. Mm. Uh, it's a different kind of coverage, obviously, from there.
0: But, yeah.
1: uh, you know, first and foremost, we have to protect the players. I mean, it's it's a given that that the game depends on them staying healthy and not getting injured by tripping or falling on one of us. Um Whatever happens to us down, you know, on the baseline is really, really secondary to to them being uh, protected. So, you know, I agree with that. Unfortunately, it could be at the risk of of me, you know, having to move off the baseline eventually. But hopefully that won't happen anytime soon. And we'll, mm-hmm. we'll all be very conscious of, uh, of making sure the players are, are protected. I mean, I got nailed last week in a game here in Houston. I'm in Houston right now. I was coming a Utah and a Rockets playoff. Yeah, and a player just flew into me and cracked a lens in half and almost oh. cracked my leg in half. But uh, luckily, he was okay, and that's really all that counts.
0: doing <laughs> you <know, speaking> <laughs> a little prep work for this, and I was reading about some interview you were talking about getting, you know, basically railroaded by Shaq at some mm-hmm. point. Um, so was that the? I mean, was that the closest you've been to an injury with Shaq, or? No, that's
1: the closest I've been to death, Jeff. Okay. <laughs> you know, I've <clears throat> been in a couple of fender benders in my life, but um, having a 360-pound Shaq fall on you, you know, at full steam, yeah. um, not too many people could really take that. Um, but he, uh, for some reason, the big fella, you know, just knew how to fall. I don't know uh-huh. if it's. All his crazy like kung fu training or something but he uh, he fell on me in a way that you know i definitely felt it but it didn't break anything thank god at mm-hmm. least internally um and we joke about it but there have been three incidents with him where he just laid me out and uh, oh god i thought i was a goner you know i really did yeah, yeah. Did you ever
0: listen to his podcast
1: Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. He and I are on the same uh, network. We're on Podcast One. So, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he promotes my podcast. And, of course, I promote his. And mm-hmm. hopefully I'll get to be on his at some point. And yeah. by, so I would love to have him on my podcast. So hopefully mm-hmm. hopefully, sometime soon.
0: Yeah, I love listening to his. It's a good one for any listeners out there. Yeah, he's uh,
1: hilarious. Yeah.
0: So when you're um, – another question I had just about your game day experience – like, for example, Kobe's last game, I'm assuming you were there, right?
1: Of course, yeah, absolutely. Okay.
0: So are you aware of just, like, what's happening, like, in a moment like that when he, you just sense that it's, you know, a huge moment for players, for fans, and just the importance? Like, do you take that in while you're working? Or are you just so focused on the task that it doesn't hit you till later that, you know, that was just a historic event that I was f- photographing?
1: Well, I mean, <clears throat> we knew that that was his last game that he was going to mm-hmm. walk off court for the last time. So the lead up to that was pretty intense. I mean, he announced his retirement, you know, in November, I think of that season. And then from basically all-star weekend on, I was, I was embedded with him, uh, including all-star weekend. So I did all the road games, I think from basically after all-star weekend through, through his uh, last game home game. And, you know, the farewell tour was was amazing, uh, the mm-hmm. love for him, and that came out, you know, all these cities that he had competed in for years. So when we got to uh, April 13th, which was his final game, his home game, Yep. you know, the build-up was pretty intense, and um, I spent the entire day with him. I started early in the morning with him at his office in Newport Beach. Wow. And <clears throat> yeah, we I flew in the helicopter with him up to LA and <laughs> I was literally attached to him at the belt for the entire night. And, uh, you know, once the game started, um, you know, it's just documenting. The final game. I mean, no one on this planet could have, including him, could have predicted he was going to score 60 points mm-hmm. in his <laughs> last game. I mean, who could have written that story? No. Uh, no. Yeah. And then you know the the post game uh, ceremony and and all the the wonderful uh, love that he got from the media and from his teammates and all that stuff. And I was with him. You know, it was probably almost a 20 hour day, I guess. And uh, until he got into the car and, and rolled out of the staples for the last time. Wow. So, you know, I knew what my job was that, that day. And to answer your question, um, I can, <clears throat> I can live in the moment um, and understand the gravity of it and the importance of it. But if I get wrapped up in the emotion of it, then I'm short shrifting uh, myself, um, the NBA, whoever's depending on me to be there, um, mm-hmm. Kobe. So I can't get caught up in the emotion of it. Uh, I have to just separate myself and it's almost a Zen like experience. I mean, you have to just do your job. I always say that if, if I saw it happen through the camera, that means I missed it. <laughs> because oh, yeah. I, I have to be so locked in that I just am, don't really take my eye off, you know, through the viewfinder. <clears throat> and, um, you know, afterwards, of course, you know, you collapse and, and, uh, <laughs> and yeah. relive it and watch SportsCenter a hundred times and um, look at the photos and really uh, enjoy enjoy the fact that I was put in that position to have this relationship with a guy for 20 years, um, very, very unique relationship of one photographer with one athlete, with one team for mm. your career. I. Honestly, can't really think of any other scenario, at least that comes to mind, uh, of any photographer who's been lucky enough to have that. So, um, you know, Kobe and I are working on some projects together about his career. Uh, oh, neat! Yeah, we're still very close, and he, um, you know, I, I owe a lot to him. I met him when he had just turned eighteen years old. You know,
0: yeah,
1: I took his first photo as a Laker and his last photo as a Laker. So
0: that's incredible. Uh,
1: yeah, so it's a pretty amazing 20-year experience.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've got uh, – well, I mean, I told you about that little project with Roland and B for the Showboat book that mm-hmm. I got to work on. And also, um, I've been able to freelance write some basketball cards for Panini.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, so I got great. to write – you know, like I said, a lifelong Lakers fan. I got to do a Shaq. I got to do a Kobe. Mm. Um, wow, so just, that's terrific. Yeah, yeah I love, love
1: those Panini guys. They do great work and uh, – you know the, their cards, their special card sets are really, really cool, and they they're connected. They understand what the fans want, so mm-hmm. that's great. that to contribute to that. That's terrific.
0: Yeah, it's been really neat. Um, wish it could be a full time gig, but not, not, not yet. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, are there any other particular Lakers you've been close to? And I I listened to your podcast on Legends of Sports. So you talked about your relationship with Magic in that interview.
1: And yeah. Then
0: Jacoby, is there any other Lakers that you've gone cl- close to over the years?
1: Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, you know, there's a lot, The many, many, James Worthy especially, um, Byron Scott, Gary Vitti, the longtime trainer, yeah. of course, Pat Riley, who, who really, really understood what I was trying to do as a young photographer and gave me the opportunity to kind of get into the inner sanctum there and do my thing and build trust. And build a lot of self confidence you know i I, I was uh, you know, I was kind of a pushy young guy, and i I knew what I wanted to do, but Pat really saw that uh, what I was doing had a lot of value and and was interesting and he He let me in the huddle, he let me in the locker room and the training room, and that of course then led to my relationship with Phil Jackson, which ended up being the only photographer he would let into his championship locker room for eleven championships. Wow. Um, you know the first guy in and then phil and i ended up doing a book together called journey to the ring which sure uh, i have it yeah well it's you know it's a fantastic project to work on with him mm-hmm. in the 2009 10 championship season and uh you know luke walton i mean you know, i met luke he was three years old when i met him oh, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah his, his dad bill was playing for the clippers and Mm -hmm. And would take this little toddler with him to practice and (laughs) um, grew up to be Luke Walton and uh, photographed his, his college career at Arizona, of course his entire NBA career. And now, you know, he's running the show at the Lakers. So Mm -hmm. it's extremely gratifying um, to have these relationships over the years. Uh, You know, there's guys, um, more obscure guys that that you are familiar with um, Mm -hmm. that, you know, just good guys. They, yeah. they, they're friendly, you know, a guy like Steve Blake, for example, or, Oh yeah. You know, um, Oh man. So, you know, uh, Brian Grant, I knew him when he was oh, playing. I did,
0: a, I did an episode with him. Uh, yeah,
1: great. Um, didn't really know Fred Roberts that well, but you know, he's always, you know, super nice to me. And I always gauge people on how nice they are to me personally. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I have never really had an issue with, with anybody on the Lakers. Um, you know, everyone from the front office that I've worked with for years and years, John Black, uh, of course, Bruce Jollish, we talked about, Josh Rosenfeld, a longtime PR guy during Showtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, of course, that has to take you to take me to Mitch Kupchak and how appreciative and, and really... Gratif- grateful I am to Mitch for letting me do what I wanted to do and giving me the opportunity to travel with the team and uh, be on the inside with the team. Uh, you know, Mitch just an amazing guy, and first and foremost has to be Jeannie Bus. I mean, Jeannie wow, is—you yeah. know, Jeannie and I um, honestly grew up in the Lakers together. Um, I watched her. Grow and flourish under her dad's guidance uh, in those early years, and could really see something special in her as as a person, as an executive. Um, she has maintained Dr. Bus's vision for the team, uh, and, and and just an incredible, wonderful person. And so happy to have worked for the best owner in sports. Honestly, she top notch. So. Hope that answered your question, but I
0: yeah <laughs> I, definitely.
1: You know, I have a lot of love for a lot of people at the Lakers and the entire organization.
0: Great, great. So I got one last question for you. Yeah. Um, you gave me one trivia question, so I thought I'd give you one. Um, you talked about your journey to the ring book with Phil Jackson covering the two thousand nine, two thousand seven, two thousand ten season. Yeah. Um, there are thirteen guys on the two thousand ten roster. How many of those can you name? Thirteen guys on
1: the 2010 – okay, I'll give you – well, we'll start with the obvious. Kobe, Powell, Lamar, Fisher. Um, uh, oh, man, why am I drawing a blank here? Uh, now, I could Google this while we're talking, but I'm not going to do I, that. I'm
0: going to trust that you on that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I won't do that. Uh, um, Adam Morrison. mm-hmm uh, that yeah I'm trying to remember cuz I shot the portraits at the end of the book and I'm trying to remember who these guys were. Yeah. Um, that's a pretty good start, right? Yeah. Uh, of course Phil, um Tex Winter,
0: <clears throat> Gary Beattie. Yeah, I was talking specifically players to 13. Yeah, I know I'm cheating. Oh,
1: okay. Um, <laughs> uh give me a hint, give me a couple of hints.
0: Um let's see. Most give of me these a- guys
1: How about initials?
0: Uh, Initials. Uh, (laughs) SB. SB. Well, it wasn't Steve Blake, right? No, he he came the next year. Who's SB? I'll give you one more hint. He was number 12, if that's a hint.
1: Number 12. A high flyer. Oh, man. Uh, Shannon Brown.
0: (laughs) Shannon Brown, (laughs) yeah.
1: That's a good one, right? I got that.
0: Um, I don't know. I got half of them, right? So that's pretty good. (laughs)
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, the current coach. <laughs> yeah, of course, Luke. Yeah, absolutely, can't forget. Yeah, Luke. Um,
0: yeah. hit the uh, clinching free throws in Game Seven versus the Celtics for the next. Well, game.
1: we forgot about Ron Artest slash Metaworld Peace. Right, he was on that yep.
0: team. Yeah, he was. Yeah, that was his first year in L.A. Then, well, uh, hit,
1: the, hit the free throws. Um,
0: I think we the Lakers were up two when he got fouled with ten seconds left or so, and he hit uh, two to give him a four point lead. It wasn't Trevor Ariza, was it? Nope.
1: I don't remember, honestly. Sasha
0: Vujicic.
1: <laughs> oh, Sasha. That's right. The machine. How can I forget the, the machine? machine.
0: Yeah. Um, Who else did we forget? We are forgetting Josh Powell.
1: Josh, yeah. yeah. I love Josh Powell. Yeah, yeah fact, I did
0: an episode with him. He was super nice. I'll
1: tell you a funny story about Josh real quick. He, uh, You know, Phil and I did the book together, and – Phil made it very clear from the beginning that every guy on the team needed to be represented throughout the book, and it was not to be a Kobe centric book, which it, you know you have the book, and you can see that Kobe is, is just part of, of the team. It's not a Kobe book in any way, shape or form.
0: Yeah
1: uh, got to the final edit and he's looking at and he, he, <laughs> he's looking at the layouts, and he's in Montana, and he calls me it's four o'clock in the morning, right
0: yeah.
1: And he goes, "Andy, where is the Josh Powell picture?" I'm like, what are you talking about, coach? He, he says, I told you I need a picture of every guy on the team in the book. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and this shows you how meticulous he was. So I had to literally, in the moment, go on to Getty and find a Josh Powell picture, which ended up in the book. Wow. So I told Josh that story. He was very grateful to Phil. Because <laughs> he didn't That's play a lot that year. And it was actually a picture, a practice picture that I put in. But um yeah. Yeah, that's my Josh Powell story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I did an episode with him. Um, I think we did it last fall. I think he was playing in, I want to say, Korea at the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but then there's three more names: um, Andrew Bynum, Andrew Bynum. Of course, how can I forget him? Yeah, <laughs> Jordan Farmar, Jordan, right? Exactly. And one more, DJ Benga.
1: Oh yeah. Well, he, I would not, I would not have remembered him, but DJ was a, a wonderful guy. I love that guy. Yeah. So what an eclectic group of dudes on that team, I'll tell you. That was <laughs> that was something. And Phil had his work cut out for him that year. But mm-hmm. Kobe was um he was on a mission. He was on a mission to avenge that two thousand eight loss to the Celtics. Um he didn't know if he'd get another shot at beating mm-hmm. the Celtics. And uh if you remember that year, you know, he was banged up, injured, busted finger, he had to come yeah. back to That knee injury, whatever he had, ankle injury. Yeah, that photo I have in the book of him just sitting there icing everything on his body, you know. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and um, yeah, he was just so laser focused, and uh, just to see them win that that title against the hated Celtics and get get that revenge for two thousand eight, which you know Kobe called that. really the worst moment of his career was losing that championship in 2008 to them. So, um, you know, very happy to have worked on that project with Phil that, that, that book will always be, um, one of my favorite projects ever that I got to do.
0: Oh yeah. It's great. If anyone, any Laker fans haven't picked it up yet, I know it's been out for a while, but journey to the ring is a great coffee table book for any Laker fan for sure.
1: Yeah. You can still get it on Amazon. It's still there. And, uh, you know you can still find it and um hope people enjoy it
0: also listeners check out andy's podcast the legends of sport on podcast one uh like i mentioned he did that episode with magic and um he's got a, more episodes with other basketball players athletes other celebrities it's a really great listen
1: thank you i appreciate it yeah and uh not just basketball centric although this time of year it's pretty heavy mm-hmm. because of playoffs but we do um interview athletes from other sports we had kirk gibson on you know about his Mm. iconic 88 uh, world series home run i had the great bob Miller, the voice of the kings the la kings hall of famer um we're gonna have athletes from other sports throughout the summer so uh yeah come back every tuesday is a new episode so it's it's been a blast really a lot of fun
0: cool well uh, thank you very much andy i appreciate it and uh Good luck with uh, shooting the playoffs this year, and hopefully next season you're shooting Laker playoff games.
1: Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Jeff. And please, um, anyone listening, please follow me uh, on Instagram. It's at adbphotoinc, and also at legendsofsport, two different Instagrams, but uh, both feature my photos. And i um, love to uh, get some comments on Instagram, and if anybody is looking for anything specific, just let me know, and we'll put it up there.
0: Great. Cool. Thanks again. And I'll be sure to get back with you to uh, with Bruce Jollish's contact. Oh, I would
1: love that. Thanks so much, Jeff. And I really appreciate being part of your podcast and best of luck to you.